so we have actually multiple scriptures this morning um, as we're moving through the uh, series for Fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Andy and I have decided that we're not really going to tell one another much about what we're going to say ahead of time, uh, but we're each choosing a scripture that we think for ourselves connects most to the theme. And they're going to be very different from one another, I think, on a weekly basis, which will be fun. But we have our grounding scripture, so we'll read that first but every week, and then each of us will read our, the scripture that we've chosen. So I'll start with the Galatians uh, the Galatians 5, 22 through 25 scripture passage that we'll read every week. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And so the first, first one on that, uh, and all of the fruit that is mentioned there, is love. And so we're talking about love. And when it comes to love in the Bible, the text that is my go-to is always 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to be reading from verses 7 through 21. There we read, dear friends, let us love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us, and God's love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in God, and God remains in us because God has given us a measure of God's Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in Him, in them. This is how love has been perfected in us, so that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. After all, those who don't love their brothers or sisters whom they, can, they have seen can hardly love God whom they have not seen. This commandment we have from him. Those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. In my passage, which may be a little bit less on the nose, God is love, Andy. Good job. <laughs> you took it. You yep. nailed it. Captain Obvious. It, no, it's like so perfect for the starting place. Like, wow. Oh, my goodness. I forget sometimes how much that passage has in it. That's amazing. Um. Mine is a little less 
clear why I picked it, so I'm glad we got to talk about it. But it's from Luke 13, uh, verses 11 through 21. And it's a story from that gospel that I have often looked to when I've been trying to figure out whether something is loving. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. And when he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Whew. So. Hear what the spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. I'm curious, Andy, as we, as we move through this, we've decided to really only ask one question of each other, and hopefully good news will come out of this. But the question that we're going to deal with is just, how did you pick your scripture for this morning? And what does it say to you? Well, besides the fact that we've already named that it's, it is indeed right on the nose. It's perfect. <laughs> it's really obvious. Uh, there are a couple things that when I read this text, I'm reminded of, um, I mean, this text really shapes my theology in so many significant ways. But a couple of things that are, are reminders to me that I feel like I need regularly. The first one is this, this uh, proclamation that God is love. And that's important to me for a couple of different ways. First of all, the, the notion that it doesn't say God is love if we believe God is love or if we believe in a particular way, if we have a certain framework. No, no, just plain and simple. God is love. Wherever this love, particularly it's agape love, this, um, this love of kin, this kinship love, brotherly, sisterly love is, is it's noted in the Greek. Um, whenever that is experienced, that is the very presence of the divine. Mm. And to me, it is allowed for so much um, room when it comes to God. Yeah. The, 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 I, our, our notion of God instantly, I believe, gets expanded because it's not just Christian love. It's not love that's limited to a particular faith or a particular context even. It's wherever love and however this brotherly love is expressed there we find the presence of the divine. And to me, that's mind-blowing, and it's huge. And uh, I, I'm reminded of 
Um, and I, I might have told, the, told you this story before, but when I was an undergrad at Western Washington University, I was walking through um, the square and uh, folks from um, uh, Fred Phelps uh, organization had shown up and they had their horrible, terrible signage about uh, LGBTQ folks. They didn't call them that, but they, they said, God hates these people. And there was a whole bunch of them and they were, they were yelling and they were protesting. And then there was just like probably 30 feet away, there was this young woman holding a cardboard sign that she'd obviously just fashioned in the moment that just said, God is love. That's all it said. And I remember the juxtaposition of those two things, all these terrible, horrible signs and people screaming about the wrath of God and judgment and yet this one girl, and I, I think in my mind, she was also singing some kind of hymn. And that just, to me, encapsulated, oh, here is a person who gets it, yeah. who understands. Um, that's gospel in the face of, of what's ultimately terrorism in the name of God. It's horror. It's, it's oppression. It's hate, ultimately. And the other thing that sticks out is, um, it says perfect love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. In the same moment that I just talked about, we see that all of these people with these horrible signs are so just racked with fear. Fear of God, fear of LGBTQ folks, um, fear that their, their reading of scripture or their theology will somehow be moved or expanded. All kinds of fear wrapped up in that. If, if perfect love casts out fear, then that's not an expression of, of God at all or love at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that to me, like those two, I mean, there's so, it's, this is a very rich text on love, but those two things are beautiful reminders to me um, about the nature of God and the nature of God's love. Uh, as one who grew up fearing God's judgment, fearing wrath, to be reminded that, that, that fear expects punishment and that's not of God is a, whew, <laughs> that's a really helpful reminder to me. And so, I mean, I, I, I think in these particular days, in these particular times, I just want to keep pointing people to this scripture yeah. over and over again. This is how the spirit moves. This is, what, this is what love looks like and love that is informed by and moved by the very presence of the divine via the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's why I chose that text. You chose this story. Tell me about that. Well, I think we actually chose our stories for the same reasons. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this week um, being Pride Week and um, how important pride has always been to me since I became a Christian. I actually think that I am in part a Christian because I met um, what we would call in the United Methodist Church reconciling people, mm-hmm. folks yeah. who are truly open and affirming. Um, and I, I chose this scripture because of the way that it sets up this like 
law love sort of dichotomy, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I've been hearing so much over the last couple of weeks since um, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, has, has really come into awareness again around George Floyd's death and Armand Aubrey and all of the folks, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor. And over and over again, hearing like law and order. And, you know, we need to keep law. We need to follow the rules. Why can't people follow the rules? Why do people riot? Um, mm. And instead of listening for the pain and the suffering that protests and riots are expressing, right? Mm -hmm. Like the utter lamentation, um, the sense of devastation, historic, de you know, 400 years of suffering and, you know, some of us are worried about law and order. And I think that this story illustrates that um, in the same way that in the church, we, you know, what are the rules around homosexuality? This is such a stupid old conversation that I can barely participate in anymore. But like, what are the rules? But the Bible says, right? And we're mm -hmm. like, law and order. And then the people who are harmed are like, but my life, but my completeness yeah. in the world, but, but my spirit but our existence. And then the answer is, but law and order. And this scripture, I think what Jesus does with law and order and what Jesus does instead with love is an incredibly timely and relevant way to talk about what loving looks like. Mm -hmm. um, because anytime we hear that little like, but the rules conversation that the Pharisees bring into play about the Sabbath, Jesus always is going to respond the way he does in this story, which is to say, excuse me, but you make exceptions for yourself all the time. You make exceptions for the people that you know well and love all the time. And you are more than willing to break those rules when it serves you. But when it serves somebody who is truly suffering and is in bondage because of things that you have done and decided then you're suddenly not willing to break these rules. I say you're hypocrites. And I, hmm. and then he goes and he just like does it. He's like, eh, law and order, not important because this person, and I love the language in this text. Like this is the, really the thing that caught my attention this, uh, this time around reading it. When in verse 11, it says she couldn't stand up straight. The translation in the Greek is she couldn't stand up to her full completeness. Mm. And, and I think that that's the, that's the thing that this like obsession with limits and law and order that, you know, God hates certain people and exclusion and all of this. That's what it really kills is this ability to be whole and complete people who can cast off the, like, so many things are binding us right now. I mean, as a white woman, like I have a whole bunch of things that are just like, blinding me and keeping me from my full self and therefore keeping other people from their full selves because I'm not dealing with my stuff. And to have Jesus come along and just say, you are, I don't care what rules you've set up. I don't care what your preconceived notions are. This is how you actually love. And this is what it looks like to be loved is I think a revolutionary uh, way to think about it in much the same way that your scripture is just like, completely revolutionary in uh in the way that it just says god is love 
no ifs, ands, or buts about it, no limits, right. no rules. There is no exception. This is simply true. And you won't know that this, like, this fruit of the spirit is only going to come, going to be evident if you accept that, if that's the way of it. So that's the, that's the place that I went with, um, with this particular story. Yeah. I, that's so that's good. good. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. This. and if I edit it out later, I will, but I got to say that the image that comes to mind when I read you hypocrites is when an incredibly powerful uh, white man pushes aside people protesting, literally gasses them out to hold up a Bible in front of a church. Um, that is so not the picture of love. That's a picture, maybe a picture of law and order or a picture of, uh, of something else. Uh, but a it's not. A picture of power, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it, that's exactly what it is. It's a picture of power. Um, it, it designed to instill fear. Yeah. And, and there's not, no room for fear in love. Right. Exactly. Your story said. And we're told that pretty, pretty directly. Um, it's why I'm, I'm, I am uh, not just, um, not just impressed, but amazed, like overwhelmed with amazement and, uh, and love for those who are putting themselves on the line right now in the name of justice. Um, saying I, I probably they do have a certain degree of fear but but they're letting love drive that out and saying i'm gonna stand on the front lines i'm going to address this this is too important and this love is for everyone 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 should be made to stand upright to their to their complete fullness um yeah yeah. Well, I think we have, we have some questions for our folks about this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, man, there's so many questions we could ask, but in this time, right now, being a loving person is possibly the gift that you can give the world, right? In, in the ways that we just talked about that kind of love, not just niceness, not just politeness, not just somebody who, you know, thinks about other people every once in a while, but like a true, a truly loving person. So one of the questions that I know we have for all of Portsmouth Union Church is, what does it look like for you to be a truly loving person right now? What does it look like for you to be a truly loving person right now? And given the conversation we just had, a follow-up question. I like are this there one. Any, <laughs> yeah. What are the limits of love? Are there any? And we may all wrestle with this. We probably do. But what are the limits of love? And are there, in fact, any? So those are your questions and your conversation starters for this week as we move into... Um, what is likely another week of having 
lots of opportunities to practice love and to, and to be in, um, in relationship with the spirit and be guided by the spirit around this fruit. So we invite you to answer those questions, to participate in them. Uh, let us know what you're discovering. We want to talk to you about it. And uh, I think it's time for us to bless people and let them be about their day. Isn't that right? Awesome. Yeah. T tell you what, why don't, um, would you pray for us to close and then it's your turn to sing too. Awesome. I would love to sing. Okay. Let's pray. Holy one, we lift these stories to you and give you thanks for them for the ways in which you challenge our hearts around love in individual and systemic ways every single day. We ask you to equip us to be truly loving people. And where we have sided with exclusion or with rules that keep people compartmentalized and hold them in bondage away from their own completeness or from ours, we ask you to release us and liberate us from that bondage and from those places. And so we give you thanks for these words, for these ancient stories, and we give you thanks for Jesus and the Holy Spirit who walk with us daily in and through all of it. Amen. All right, friends, time to bless you. So we'll sing together if you want to sing along at home, of course. I know some of you love to do that. Uh, feel free to. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you give you give you peace stay at home, stay home peace <laughs> to love and serve the lord amen. amen bye everyone love you bye love you miss you So at some point we lost something, but that's okay. We're recording now. All right. Gotta make all the faces and yeah, yeah's out indicators. Okay. You wonder what your pastors do in their spare time? Well, that's the conversation. Spare time. Spare time? What is spare time? Yeah. Huh. Spare time recently looks like me falling asleep during a movie uh, that the family's supposed to be watching. Yeah. Spare time for me right now is putting on leather gloves and moving rocks from here mm -hmm. to there. And then from here to there. And then from here to there more. That's me. Mm -hmm. They're little rocks. And there's medium-sized rocks, and there's very big rocks, but it's all the same activity. Right, right, right. Cool. <laughs> and then falling asleep in front of a movie our family is supposed to be watching. So, I'm... so that's all we got. Yeah.
All right, let's do this. It might be terrible. It might be great. Who can tell until we do it? Let's do it. Great. Okay. Three, two, one.